This is the Decision Masters Podcast. I'm Kirsten Parker, the decision coach for overthinkers. When you feel good about your decisions, life feels good. You get to be present in your days and excited about where you're going. I'm going to help you build your decision mastery so it's easy to know what you want, navigate uncertainty, and handle any feelings that happen. Whether you're in the middle of some overthinking angst right now, or you simply love feeling in charge of your choices, you're in the right place. Clear, confident decisions are right around the corner. Let's get into it. Hi, buddy boo. How are you today? How is your first quarter of the year going, if you're listening real time? We have an episode today that's been a long time coming, and there's so much to talk about when it comes to decision fatigue that this will not be our only conversation. We're going to do at least a two-parter right now, so get ready because there's more coming next week. Don't worry, though. Like all conversations about kind of crappy stuff, we are going to make this a little light-hearted and uh, super useful. So we're not here to bum anybody out. Decision fatigue is real and it sucks and we have to talk about it because let's remember our collective goal. We are here to make it easier for you to make decisions you love. And decision fatigue is something that is making it harder for us to make decisions we love every day. In this episode, we are going to get really clear on what decision fatigue is. We're going to get into some science of it. So we have a really yummy, delicious, thorough understanding of this phenomenon. And next week, we're going to get into super specific solutions to lower your baseline decision fatigue. Decrease the fatigue. But first, we have to start with understanding the beast before we kill it, as it were. And the concept of decision fatigue is really one, if we boil it down, of quantity versus quality. Okay, broad strokes. This idea is that the more decisions you make in a day, the less capacity you have to make high quality decisions you really love. So you can imagine an X and Y axis, right? The X axis is decision quality and the Y axis is decision quantity, and you can you can picture that curve in your mind. And you know this feeling, you know, getting to the end of a long, hard day where you've been making lots of decisions, you've been thinking really critically, or it's just been decision after decision after decision, and it doesn't even feel like it's been that critical. Either way, you can get to the end of the day and have one more decision to make. Not that this ever happened to me, but your husband can ask you with love in his heart, what should we do for dinner? And you can burst into tears because nope. You don't have anything left in you. No more decisions today. We're closed. Bye. That's real. And in this episode, we're going we're gonna to explain why. Why is this happening? And if this is happening to you, then yeah, you might be suffering from instances of decision fatigue. So how you know if you are is you literally feel like a decision will break you. Like that is one of the signs that, yep, we got some fatigue going on. You have a disproportionately emotional reaction or stressful response to even the idea of attempting a decision. So extreme frustration, extreme stress, extreme emotions, short temper, (laughs) tear burst outs. (laughs) Uh, But that's not the only sign. So you might also be decision fatigued if you just can't focus or think clearly 
if your brain feels foggy, if your brain feels like it hurts. Another really strong sign that you have decision fatigue is when decisions come up, you push them away. It's like either procrastination or avoidance are your defense mechanisms because it feels as if the decisions are oppressing or pressuring or straight up attacking you. So decision fatigue can feel like overwhelm. Like I said, it can feel like pressure. You also might be decision fatigued if you notice that you are spending inordinate amounts of time and energy on decisions, which again, you know, I've never spent an hour on Amazon picking out which Christmas-themed hair clip I'm going to buy. But if you have, then that might have been a moment of decision fatigue. Now, most of your decisions are made without lots of conscious effort. All right. We need to know this too. You decide to stand up out of bed. You decide to make coffee. You decide to drive the same way to work you normally do. You make all of those decisions by default, pretty much. And that's a good thing. That is your brain saving you energy. It's assigning a lot of your life to the thinking system that uses the least energy. Or at least our brain tries to save us energy. This is where sometimes we overthinkers have to pay extra attention because we can get in the way of our brain's grand energy efficiency plan. We can decide we really need to think through our outfit options for the day. I want you to think about this. Let's say you've woken up and your, your mental energy is at 100% for the day. Okay, I'm not saying you have to feel 100%. I'm saying like you have a full tank. Let's just make that up. Go with me for this metaphor. You go to your closet and you could decide more effortfully what to wear or you could decide less effortfully what to wear. When we're in overthinking mode, our decisions can be very effortful. We can think, oh, this could be cute, but wait, did I wear this in the last week already? What's the weather going to be like? Is this going to make me feel good? What does my color chart say? Didn't someone tell me this makes me look too angular? What's Angela going to think? Add on decisions about earrings and breakfast and then what to text your friend back because she's asking about relationship advice and you're trying to be like nice but honest and boundaried at the same time. You could be down 15, 20% in your mental energy before you're even out the door or on your first Zoom. And I'm guessing that everything that I just described are not what you would call your most critical decisions of the day. If I were the ghost of Christmas present and I handed you a list of here are all the decisions you're going to face today, I doubt you would look at breakfast and earrings and think, yeah, those deserve 20%. <laughs> just like send, send my good energy there. The rest of the day will just figure itself out. Now, I'm not judging and I'm not calling anybody out here. This is stuff that happens by habit. And that's what we're breaking down. Okay. But that's why we need to get super clear on when and why and how this phenomena is happening. So you can figure out which solutions are going to be the most effective for you. All right. Yay. Reminder. That's what next week's episode is about. P.S. Spoiler alert. I am doing some free coaching on decision fatigue because we have to solve this problem. I'm going to tell you more about that closer to the end of the episode. But if you're dying for this already and you're like, I spent 20% on earring decisions, sign me up. You can go right now to kirstenparker.com forward slash decision fatigue sucks and sign up for it. Okay. So let's talk some science. 
What uses up mental energy? This is a phrase we've been using in our conversation so far. You have mental energy stores that you use up on decision-making. What uses it up? Well, as we said in our closet analogy, effortful mental activity consumes mental energy. And you need to know that this is not just metaphorical. We're not just equating your brain to a gas tank and saying like, it's like your tank runs empty. Your central nervous system, which is comprised of your brain and spinal cord, uses a ton of glucose to function. It actually consumes more glucose than most other parts of your body because your brain needs a lot of fuel. (laughs) It's working hard. So when we say things use up your mental energy, we're actually talking about your nervous system consuming lots of glucose that needs replenishing. And when it is trying to operate without a lot of glucose to use, it operates more poorly, okay? Let's define effortful mental activity. I wish you could see me right now because I'm using so many air quotes. When we say you're using up your mental energy, we're talking about things like cognitively challenging stuff. This refers to your cognitive load. When you have a lot of critical decisions on your plate, and again, you can make things very critical without them needing to be critical to anybody else, to look critical by anybody else's standards, you are what we call cognitively busy. You have a big cognitive load, all right? I know, I'm giggling too, it's fine. Another thing that counts as effortful mental activity is stuff that requires using your will or your self-control. Hmm, wait, let me think. In my human life, how much will am I exerting to get myself to do stuff? And how much self-control am I exerting in any given moment? Well, I wanna yell at Sheila every 30 seconds, so a lot. Using so much will and self-control all day long leads to something called ego depletion. This means that when you will yourself to do stuff or exert self-control and don't yell at Sheila, you're using up lots of mental energy, which means you have less mental energy for more hard stuff afterwards, like not yelling at Sheila for the 17th time today. That's harder than not yelling at her the first time. It also means it's harder to make more critical decisions after you've already made a bunch of critical decisions. Now, the mental energy system doesn't literally just decrease. It's not exactly like gas just going down in the gas tank. What happens is your brain shifts how it works the more mental energy gets used up. It gets good at reacting to immediate rewards And it gets bad at thinking about long-term scenarios like, you know, larger life consequences or your goals and vision for your future. So where are we with decision fatigue so far? Let's check in because we just made sense of a lot of stuff. We just made sense of the fact that hard decisions feel harder if they're your 16th decision instead of your first decision. It makes sense that we feel mentally tired because our nervous system, which includes our brain, is drained, has less glucose to go on after the end of a bunch of cognitive busyness or a bunch of ego depletion. If we consumed all our glucose, it really makes sense that decisions feel harder, like your brain has to work harder to make them after a long time of not eating or a long time of making other decisions and working really mentally hard. We've also made sense of some of the decisions we tend to judge. It makes sense 
that it's easier to say no to things that we don't want to do earlier in the day when we're mentally fresh. And it's harder to say no to the thing that you didn't want to eat. Or it's harder to say yes to the workout you did want to do. It's harder to hold back a snarky comment when you are mentally depleted. We're making sense of that. Great. Let's get into some more science. There's a study that was done that I will link to in the show notes because I'm about to quote it in a second that I would like you to know about because it is fascinating. They did this study where they looked at a bunch of decisions that these Israeli judges made. I think they were eight judges and they were determining if prisoners would get parole or not. The average decision was no, unfavorable decision for parole. But there was a spike in yes decisions that they observed over time. The fascinating finding of the study was that these spikes and yeses did not correlate with anything like who the prisoners were, where they were from, what crimes they'd committed, how far into their sentences they were. The biggest factor impacting the spike in yes decisions was the time of day and the time in relation to eating. The quote from the actual study is, we find that the likelihood of a favorable ruling is greater at the very beginning of the workday or after a food break than later in the sequence of cases. What? Now, there's no judgment being made on these judges. Everyone who cites this study makes it very clear that they were not making these decisions maliciously. This study just shows how deeply influenced our decisions are by our mental energetic state, way more so than we'd probably like to admit because we think that we are rational, thoughtful, professional, smarty pants people. And I don't share this with you to make you panic, like, oh my gosh, I can only make good decisions at the beginning of the day or after lunch. (laughs) We're not panicking. And like I said, we're going to get to practical solutions in next week's episode. But this study is really useful in internalizing how real this whole decision fatigue idea actually is. How real it is that maybe we need to consider what is my mental energetic state before we take on a really critical decision. Maybe we need to take into account our mental energetic state before we judge a decision that we made. Okay, I have one more quick sciencey note to share with you. And then we're going to recap and I'm going to tell you what I want you to do with all of this like fascinating information. So there's this psychology concept called the Rubicon model of action phases. You didn't know you were coming to a little TED Talk lecture today, did you? But you were. You can share it with all your friends. You can show off. The Rubicon model of action phases. This has to do with Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon River. He was coming back from Gaul and they like turned this whole story into this like psychology concept. Doesn't matter. What matters is the model includes this pre-decisional phase, sounds very schmancy, and the post-decisional phase. And obviously, in between these two phases is the decision. So Julius Caesar was standing there and he was like, do I cross the river? Do I not cross the river? What are the consequences are going to be crossing the river? Do I want to cross the river? And then he decided, he actually did decide to cross the river, if you were on the edge of your seat waiting to find out. And then there was this post-decisional phase. What do I think about my decision? So researchers have studied which is the most mentally fatiguing part of this process. 
Is it contemplating options beforehand? And I know as probably an overthinker, you might be thinking, obviously, that's super taxing. Do I cross the river? Do I not cross the river? Do I do this? Do I wear that? Do I take this job? Seems pretty exhausting, right? Or is it the post-decisional phase? Is it contemplating consequences? As someone who's probably been too hard on yourself your whole life, you're like, well, that sure does take up a whole bucket load of energy, right? Looking back on your decisions, sending energy into regret, second guessing, holy moly. But no, survey says the deciding is the most energetically draining part of the process. The decision point, crossing the river, takes the most energy. So that's interesting. What have we made sense of by this point? Well, we've made sense of the fact that you're freaking tired. And we've asked you to call attention to how many rivers you're crossing all day long. And I know you might have a lot of stuff on your mind. You might think you have a lot of open, unmade decisions. But I also want you to know you are a decision maker. And I want you to give yourself some dang credit for how many rivers you're actually deciding to cross every single day. If you're running a business, if you are running a project, if you're changing careers, if you're moving, if you're redecorating, if you're dealing with clients or patients or students every day, if you're raising kids, if you are caretaking for parents, if you're being a boss of people, if you're navigating a relationship challenge, you're crossing dozens of rivers a day. Your 600th decision of the day feels harder because it is. And at that point, it might not matter if it's a critical decision or somebody with love in their heart asking you, what are you doing for dinner? We've also disproved an assumption that's really easy to make that this concept of decision fatigue either doesn't or shouldn't apply to us. Okay, so I just want you to like give yourself permission to let go of the idea that It's not okay for you to be this tired. I think it's really easy to think I'm rational and I base things on facts. (laughs) And I bet all of the judges in that study would have heartily agreed with you. And it turns out not so much, not as much as we want to think. I think it's also really easy to think I don't have the luxury of getting fatigued because I actually have important decisions to make all day long. And therefore, it's not okay if this applies to me. The reality is, There are things about your life, how your day runs, and what habits you have that make you more or less primed for decision fatigue right now. In part two, next week, we're going to get into the solutions. I'm also going to be coaching on this live soon because this is one of those concepts that's easily vagified. I'm positive. It's easy to think, oh yeah, this totally applies to me, but my situation is so unique. I don't know where to start to fix it. And that is why the one-on-one direct coaching is so invaluable. So you can come to this free event for direct help from me and we'll come up with specific solutions for how to decrease decision fatigue for you right now. So you can go to kirstenparker.com forward slash decision fatigue sucks and sign up for that. In the meantime, I want you to let this information sink in. It's not always super duper easy and fun learning that we're human, right? I'm like validating that. It's not the funnest to find out, oh crap, this has been affecting me and I really don't like it. But awareness is step one. Step two is commitment to change. And step three are solutions. 
We took care of step one today. This is where we have to start. And I want you to use it. I want you to use the awareness. Pay attention this week. How hard do decisions feel at the start of the day and at the end of the day? Which decisions feel hardest? Is it freaking dinner every night? Is it questions about your professional future? Notice. Are you piling those questions on top of an already strained day where you've been super cognitively busy? So this is awareness week, all right? The commitment part, step two, that's up to you. If you really want to make some changes, we are all about that. Let me help you. Solutions are coming in next week's episode and at this free event. I really want you to not put the burden on yourself to make more decisions. We're flagging this. What else are you taking on in your life? Come to the free event and get some coaching to make it easier. KirstenParker.com forward slash decision fatigue sucks. See you there. Hey there, quick question. How easy does it feel to say no to requests or invites that you really don't want to agree to? Mm, not so much. If you find yourself saying yes to things you don't want to do over and over or putting yourself through agony just to get to a no and then feeling super guilty and maybe even doing it anyway, you're going to love the crash course on how to say no. You can get it for free right now at kirstenparker.com forward slash say no. You'll get a complete PDF workbook with two whole pages of example sentences at the end, literally how to say no to requests and invites and an 11 minute crash course video training that simplifies the whole overwhelming shenanigans of saying no so you can do it without being a terrible person, ruining a relationship, or ending up doing the thing anyway. Go get it now at kirstenparker.com forward slash say no. Enjoy!